There is a saying that ignorance is bliss. What is meant by that is that for us there are some things that we would just rather not know, that it's better not to know. I think this is a large reason why reading the newspaper and watching BBC can be so depressing. Because as the images flash across the screen, we're reminded of the realities of life that are hard to understand. The bitter awareness of of the brokenness around us is there, as close as a remote control. And even on a smaller level, almost daily, awkward situations arise in life that leave us wishing we are ignorant of some things. Ignorance is not normally considered a good thing, but we sometimes desire it. Why is that? Why would we say that ignorance is bliss? I think that the fundamental reason why we would say this, why we would think this, is because experience has taught us that all knowledge demands a reaction. All ideas have consequences. Every idea, every truth carries with it implications. Implications that whether embraced or ignored carry inevitable consequences. That is in part what makes truth so powerful. A few weeks ago, if you were here, we looked at the preceding verses in 1 John And we found John eager to proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ to us. His reason for writing was so that fellowship would be established among us through Christ. Now John wants to get this right. He wants to remove the possibility of false fellowship. Therefore he clarifies all throughout this letter what it looks like to have fellowship with God and with each other. And he does this by setting forth clear, black and white statements of truth about God and then drawing implications and clarifications from that truth. John knows that the truth about God shapes our lives, whether we believe it or reject it. The implications are unavoidable. Therefore, if we are going to say that we have fellowship with God... We must face certain truths about God for our reaction and our orientation to those truths will reveal whether or not our fellowship is genuine. I want to invite you to now look at our passage today with me. It's 1 John 1, 5 through 2, 2. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you, I encourage you to turn there or you can find it in the bulletin and also up on the screen. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, through chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. 
But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I have four points today. First of all, I want to set forth the truth that this passage is anchored on. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Secondly, we will look at the implication this truth has on how we walk as those that profess to know God. Thirdly, I want to examine what this truth reveals about who we are. And finally, I want to examine the hope that bridges the gap between who God is and who we are. God is light. That is our first point today. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. John, in a simple statement of truth, summarizes the message he heard from Jesus. This is a a broad, encompassing statement about God's nature that actually unlocks the purpose of Jesus' mission on earth. We could spend all day on this one declaration. And even as I prepared this sermon, I struggled with finding out how to talk about this in a faithful yet brief manner. What does it mean to say that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all? What did John hear in his three years with Jesus that led him to conclude that this is the message that he heard from Him? I believe that in short we can say this, that the light of God that was proclaimed in Christ's ministry was the brilliant, transcendent, unapproachable light of God's holiness, His perfection, and the darkness-ruining, secret-revealing, promise-keeping, forever-shining light of His truth. And I want us to see in the rest of our time together what this means for us. John 1.18, in the gospel written by this same apostle, says this, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side He has made Him known. God Himself came to us in the Son in order to make God known. Jesus, the the Scripture tells us, is the exact representation of His Father. And in, in, in His life, the perfections of God were displayed and proclaimed. Not only did Christ live a life of perfect holiness, He taught the righteousness of God. He exposed by his words, he exposed people's inward thoughts and actions to the holiness of God, showing what they really were. If you read the Gospels, what you will see is in Christ, perfect wisdom, perfect purity, perfect mercy, and perfect justice on display. By coming, Christ not only spoke truth, but he proved that God always keeps his promises. By raising Lazarus from the dead and feeding the 5,000, he showed the boundless compassion and sovereignty of God. By dying on the cross and rising from the dead, he proved that God is just always. And that in God, there's a depth of mercy and love that we cannot comprehend. The countless things he did and the words he spoke testified to the holiness of God. Also, we find... That time and again, 
John records Jesus using the term light as a meaning for truth. Namely, the true knowledge that comes from God in Christ. Perhaps the most important to our text today, in Christ, we see that God is light that lays bare dark hearts, reveals wickedness, and brings true knowledge and understanding. Therefore, we can justly say of God that God is truth and in Him is no untruth at all. God is truth and in Him is no untruth at all. Because God is perfect in every way, then it means that He is all truth and He is the only source of truth. When men speak, every single one of us in this room, we sometimes speak deceitfully. Sometimes we speak in ignorance. Sometimes we act out of lack of information because we are finite. But God, who knows the end from the beginning, from whom nothing is hidden, He never guesses, He never takes chances, He absolutely never, ever lies. The blazing light of holiness in God exposes everything for what it really is and consumes the impurities. Therefore, lies, deception, Hidden sins, secret thoughts are all laid open before him. Nothing is hidden from his gaze. His perfection means that he is the set standard by which all else is measured. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He and all of his perfection is the truth that we cannot escape. We can close our eyes, we can plug our ears, and we can make noise like a rebellious child... But when we stop and look, we'll find that the truth remains unmoved. Yet since the Garden of Eden, mankind has made a practice of ignoring the truth of God. We deny He exists. We create other gods. And I think more important to us and perhaps more convicting to those of us sitting in this room here today is that, brothers and sisters, we ignore parts of His truth that make us uncomfortable. And we create a God that fits our personal darkness-influenced sentiments. The result of that is not the God in whom is no darkness at all. The God in whom is no darkness at all is the God who's revealed in Scripture. Why would we try to ignore who God is or to adapt His image? Ultimately, I think it is because we know that deep down... Every truth demands a response. If we see God as who He is, as who He says He is, and we, and we grasp that and we affirm that that is true, then it's going to carry with it implications on our lives. We know that every truth has implications for us. But sadly, we live so often like we think that closing our eyes will make everything that is around us disappear. We think that it makes us invis- invisible. You know, I personally have a um, quirky stress mechanism that whenever something stressful occurs, I get sleepy. I literally will start to yawn when something stressful happens. So when the car breaks down, I really just want to go to bed and go to sleep. You know, as if I think that if I go lay down, I'll wake up the next morning and maybe it'll just be gone. The problem is, as many times as I do that, it doesn't work. It's never worked and I don't think it's going to work tomorrow. Um, So... What I want doesn't change what is. And and that's just universally true. 
Just so we cannot escape the implication of who God is. Just as darkness cannot escape light. He is truth. He is holiness. And His light lays all that is hidden into the open. We cannot escape the holiness of God. We cannot escape the truth of who He is. Therefore, believers, if we say we have fellowship with Him, if we say that we know Him, then there are certain inevitable implications on our lives. Implication one. This truth about God affects how we live. Here's the truth. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Therefore, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. As Christians, our lives are to be progressively in accord with the truth and holiness of God. God is light and He has manifested that light in Scripture. Every time we read or listen to God's Word, we are confronted with truth that demands a response. Light confronts darkness. God confronts the sin in our hearts with His truth and with His holiness. As soon as it shines in, it's ruined. It's never the same again. And whether we walk in darkness or light is really a matter of whether or not we believe the testimony that God has given of Himself in Scripture. Our lives are in a constant pattern of belief. We act on what we believe to be true. Take some time to consider that. I did last week, just sat down and thought that through. 100% of the time, regardless of what we say, we act in accordance with what we believe. Therefore, to walk in darkness is to live in such a way that says, I do not believe God. Sin is unbelief. All sin is the fruit of untruth. You know, the most pivotal moment in the Garden of Eden, in the, in the account of the fall of man in Genesis, is not when the serpent twists God's word, but when Eve saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Darkness. Unbelief. In that moment, she believed that what God had said would bring death was actually desirable. She proved that she did not believe God. See, when we walk in darkness, when we live in a pattern of sin, we show with our lives that we believe that God is not good. We show that we believe that God is holding out something from us. And that God, God is lying to us when He tells us that He works all things together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Every time we sin, we disbelieve, and we call God a liar. This is what it means to walk in darkness. And if we walk in darkness while claiming to have fellowship with God, we lie and the truth is not in us. Our walk must coincide with our confession. You cannot have fellowship with God who is light and yet yourself remain in darkness. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We have proof that we have fellowship with other believers when we embrace 
and believe God as He has revealed Himself. And by believing, we are changed. When we believe God and we allow the penetrating light of His truth to enter our lives, we are made holy by the blood of Christ and it becomes evident that we have fellowship with the living God. 1 John 3.2 says that when He, that is Christ, appears, we will be like Him for we will see Him as He is. Brothers and sisters, the closer our fellowship with God is, the more like Him we are. The point here is not legalism or works righteousness, where the light of God's perfection is held in front of us and we are told, get your act together, be holy like God is, and then you will be cleansed from sin. The point is that you cannot, the point I want to make here today is that you cannot say that you know God and believe God and go unaffected. Just like Moses and Isaiah, you cannot gaze upon the glory of God and not be profoundly altered. The Bible gives no hint of the possibility of belief apart from transformation. Why? We have already set it forth. Belief always, always, always leads to action. Otherwise, it's not belief. To walk in the light is to allow God's holiness to penetrate our hearts and minds, confronting the darkness and ruining it. The light of God's holiness as it shines in not only shows us what we should be, but it exposes who we really are. It is impossible to walk in the light and still be unaware of who we are. This is the second implication of encountering the truth of God's holiness. The light shines in and reveals our true identity. That's the implication too, who we are. The light of God's holiness shows the standard of perfection, the standard of righteousness that we fall short of. And the light of God's truth exposes the sin in our hearts. The truth that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all shines onto us and reveals the darkness that is in us by nature separating us from God. When we say that we have no sin... We sink further into the inky blackness of the lies we have accepted as truth. And as we have set forth before, avoiding truth does not change truth. But remarkably, we do it anyway. Let's read again together verse 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned. We make him a liar. And his word is not in us. You know. I doubt there is anyone in this room. There there could be. But I doubt there is anyone in this room. Who would say they are without sin. I doubt there is anyone in this room. Who would say they are perfect. Does that then mean. That this passage can just be breezed over. Does this only apply to some ancient heresy that John, John is addressing? I confess that for years I've read over this passage and thought, well, of course I would never say I have no sin. Yet on a daily basis, there are things in our lives that we attempt to block from the light of God's truth and holiness lest they be exposed as sin. We justify ourselves. 
Perhaps even perhaps we even avoid studying certain portions of Scripture or some preachers rub us the wrong way because the things we've worked so hard to protect and justify are being challenged. After all, ignorance is bliss. We insulate ourselves from the blazing light of truth. And in so doing, according to this passage, we either deceive ourselves or we blaspheme and call God a liar. Dear friends, we are natural self-deceivers and blasphemers. Don't read books and listen to preachers and speak to yourself in such a way that is going to help you hide the truth from your sin-sick heart. Rather, Read the Word of God. Dig deep in the Word of God. Listen to God-centered teaching and surround yourself with a community of people that love you enough to challenge you even though it hurts. We should desire to have our sin exposed. For in seeing the light, ourselves in the light of God's holiness, we see ourselves truly. And as we agree with God and say amen to what He says, we prove that His Word, His life-giving truth has penetrated into our hearts. We prove that the truth is in us. Ignoring truth will only lead to destruction. But, if we confess our sin, He is, if we confess our sin, if we agree with God and declare Him to be true in His estimation of us, if we see Him as He really is and we see ourselves as we really are, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let the light shine in, brothers and sisters. Unbelieving friend, let your darkness be vanquished by the light of God's presence and His truth. Bask in it. Light reveals who we are. It reveals the holiness of God. And that creates a problem. But there's a solution to the light. A solution from God. And that's our fourth fourth point here today. Solution to the light. Much Much of what we've looked at so far seems very negative. Because God is holy, we are called to walk in the light of holiness. To reflect His character as it has been displayed in Christ. But as we look at the light, we are called to reflect it becomes apparent that there is a great gulf fixed between His perfection and our sinfulness. In fact, when the light of God's perfection shines into our hearts, it brings bad news. But when the light of His glory, when the light of His perfection shines through His Son, Jesus Christ, good news is proclaimed. The last two verses of our of our passage today says little children i'm writing to you so you might not sin but if we sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous and he is the propitiation for our sins and not our sins only but the sins of the whole whole world sprinkled all throughout our passage today and then finding its head here at the very end we find the good news in our passage If we walk in the light, we can have confidence that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sin, confess who we are in light of God's holiness, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. You see, the lifeblood that we should have spilt, 
The eternal death that we should have died was done on behalf of us, was done on our behalf by Christ, who is perfect in every way. It is because of this that God not only can forgive and cleanse, but is faithful and just in doing so. Why is He just in doing so? Because Christ was our propitiation. That word means that He was the one who bore the wrath for us. He was our wrath bearer. Because of our sin, the the holiness of God demanded that we be judged, demanded that we face an eternity separated from God, from His holy, perfect presence. But that wrath that that should have been ours came down on Christ, on the cross. As we read earlier in Isaiah 53, He was wounded for our transgressions. And He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. The Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. We can have confidence then that when the brilliance of God's holiness shines onto our sin and we respond by confessing our sin and believing in Christ, God forgives us because Christ advocates for us. He pleads on our behalf on the basis of the wrath He bore. As the old hymn says, five bleeding wounds He bears received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly speak for me. Forgive Him. Oh, forgive they cry. Forgive Him. Oh, forgive they cry. And when that happens, when that advocate does that for us, God is faithful and in His holiness, indeed, He must forgive every single time. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And nowhere was this more fully seen than on the cross. For as Christ hung on the cross, He displayed the perfection of God. And the wounds He bore cried out like the cherubim in Isaiah 6, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. On the cross, we see absolute, brilliant holiness. The wrath-bearing work of Christ, when applied to us, changes the light of God from terror to beauty. If you're here today and you're not a believer in Christ, I beg of you not to turn away from the consuming light of God's holiness. Maybe you've put on a good outward show, but the light of God penetrates to the very core of who you are, exposing the darkness that separates you from Him. Maybe you have claimed to be a Christian, but you know that you're walking in darkness. Don't deceive yourself and walk out of here today saying everything is okay. Don't shake your fist and call God a liar when He says that you deserve judgment. Confess your sin and look to Jesus who bore the judgment that you deserved and believe. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. This is the unavoidable truth that you and I must face today. I want to close now today with three brief points of application slash clarification from our text. First of all, I want to look at the very end of our passage. As we consider what Christ has done for us, In bearing the wrath of God for our sins. 
we need to remember that he did this not for us only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The light of God's holiness has shone into our hearts through God's word and has mercifully revealed to us our need for a wrath bearer which God has supplied in Christ. The truth of Christ's propitiatory work, just as it came to us, is not meant to stay only with us. It is a message that is not for us only, but for every tribe, tongue, and nation on the earth. God is light, and that light is meant to shine into the darkness in every corner of the globe with the good news that Jesus saves. Isaiah prophesied that Christ would be a light for the nations. And then in John's gospel, Jesus makes the claim, I am the light of the world. And in Matthew 5, we see how he conveys that same task to his disciples, to his church. And he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. My prayer for, you know, and goal for Emmanuel Church of Fujira is that we would be a city on a hill shining bright with the brilliant light of God here in the UAE. And it's my desire for you as well. You know, the amazing thing about living here in the UAE is that so many tribes, tongues, and nations are already here. Go to them with the message that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And present them with the hope of Christ that answers the problem that the light of God reveals. Second point of application, or this is rather a point of clarification, that John stresses in this passage when he says, My little children, I am writing to you these things to you so that you may not sin. You know, the passage that we've read today introduces to us the tension that we live in as believers in this present age. We are called to a life of holiness, of walking in the light while facing the reality that we still sin. And John seems particularly concerned that, making, uh, that he wants to make certain that no one mistakes his admonition to confess our sinfulness as a call to fatalistic abandon to sin. What John is not saying is here, just agree with God. Just agree with, with who he says you are. You know, be honest, be humble about it, and just stay there. No, he is writing to us so that we will not sin. Actually, he, he goes on later and makes it clear that it's not natural for a child of God to sin. In 1 John 3, verse 9, he says that no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. We bring our sin to the light in order that we may find grace to overcome. Please don't leave here today shrugging your shoulders and using this passage as an excuse to just passively say, everybody sins. As you read God's word and are convicted of sin, confess it, agree with God, and then be intentional and strategic about overcoming it, about fighting it. This is why we need the church. This is why we need close-knit community. Confess your struggles to fellow Christians of the same gender. Put up safeguards to help you walk in integrity. Truly walk in the light. Don't, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you have some, a problem against your brother or your sister in Christ, go to them. Pray with them. Fight against sin. Meditate on the good news and allow God's truth to penetrate your heart and mind. 
Just as David, who in Psalm 119 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Sin is a result of believing lies. So as a community, cling to the truth. And then finally, I want to encourage you to walk in the light. I encourage you as individuals and as a church to walk in the light as He is in the light. A God that is light is a God who is utterly transcendent above us, yet also very near, shining His light into the deepest parts of our lives. And that truth should be evident in our church. It should be evident that we are a people that lives openly, a people that are transparent, a people that allows the light of God to shine in and expose who we are. Grow in the knowledge of God and allow the light, His light through the Word to expose the sin in your hearts. Light is confrontational. Light ruins darkness, but it is glorious ruin. Our life in the church should be a life of being challenged to walk in the light. Who here is willing to open themselves up to that? Do we desire, like the Apostle John, that our fellowship would be true fellowship with God? You know, John, with great tenderness, is writing these very direct words because he desires that together our joy would be full. You know, by bringing across these very hard truths, these very black and white truths, he's not trying to rain on our parade. He's not trying to to be a nudge. He desires that we would have joy. And joy is found in the light where the Word of God penetrates our souls consumes the sin and applies the peace of knowing that Christ bore the shame of our darkness. Remember what I said earlier about belief being the key. Well, dear friends, don't believe the lie that the darkness is a warm blanket that will keep you safe and secure. As you walk in here every Friday and as you go to small group, don't wrap the blanket of darkness around yourself to shield you lest people see who you really are. It will suffocate you and it will alienate you from the sweet fellowship that is found in the family of God. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And even as we leave here today, that is a truth that you can't escape, that I can't escape. Don't try to hide from the light. Don't pretend to be in it. Run to the light. Walk in the light. And reflect the light. To the darkness around you. Let's pray. Dear Father. Shine your light into our midst. Illumine the darkness in our hearts. And grant us the grace. To repent. And to walk in the light. Thank you Father for sending your son. Without his work on the cross. We would not be able. To bear the light of your presence. But now because of him. In your light is joy and life. Shine through your people and bring the light of your truth to this place. In Christ's name.